morning? Good? Awesome? Amazing? I heard I missed a good Sunday last Sunday. Who was here last Sunday? Anyone? A few of you? Yeah. I heard the preaching was hot in more ways than one. And um, it was? That's good. Just open up my notes and we'll, we'll continue on. As Lozzie said, we're doing undeserved favour. We've got two weeks to go on this theme. We're going to be looking at Galatians chapter 5 today. So um, that should be good. My message this morning is called this. It's called The Battle Within. The Battle Within. The question really is, what's holding you back? What's stopping you from receiving or entering into that undeserved favour life that God has called you to live? What's that thing that's, that's stopping you? Because more often than not, it's, etern- it's internal, not eternal, internal. More often than not, it's within. I, I heard this quote by D.L. Moody and he said this, I've had more trouble with my, in my life, I've, I'll say it again, I've had more trouble with D.L. Moody than any other person in my entire life, <laughs> written by D.L. Moody. And I could say the same, that my greatest leadership challenge in all my years of leading in church and thing has been Michael Lott. He's been the hardest person to lead by far. That's right. And I think Jay, yours would be Jay, and Lars, yours would be Lars, because it's the battle within. Sometimes leading ourselves to believe and to line up with the life God has called us to live can be the hardest battle. But that's what Galatians 5, I believe, addresses today. So that's where we're going to go this morning. So the battle's within. So turn to your neighbor, if you've got a neighbor, and say, it's my problem. <laughs> my problem. If your neighbor's agreeing with you and saying, I know, <laughs> it's time to find a new neighbor. Someone a bit more encouraging, someone a bit more speaking of life, that'd be good. All right, let's read from Galatians chapter 5. It says this, so Christ has truly set us free, as we've heard already this morning. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be no benefit to you. I say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. Now, if we could just understand those six verses, we could go home right now. I'd be done. But this chapter unpacks it a little bit more. Paul is really wanting to get across that if you are free, and as a Christian, you are free, but stay free. Once you've received your freedom in Christ, once he's declared you righteous, stay in that place. Don't let anything take you back to trying to earn your salvation, to earn your favor, to earn the life that God has called you to live, because he has come to set you free. In the message Bible, it says, don't go back to any rule-keeping system. In this case, it was circumcision. In, in our world, I haven't been to a church yet that says in this modern day 
that part of the welcome and the new people course is that if you're not circumcised, please step into the other room and we'll arrange that for you. I'm, I'm very glad, grateful for that, that we don't do that anymore. <laughs> but what we do do is we put other things in place. We put other religious activities or some rules to keep to try and say, okay, you've made it now or you're now accepted or you now belong. And if we're not careful, we can go down the same line. You know, in verse 3 it says, if you're going to try and use circumcision or any rule-keeping agenda, then you've got to obey everything. In other words, if you're going to make a big deal about one, then you've got to make a big deal about them all. And what we do, what I do, is we make a big deal about the ones that we've got under control. Let me give you an example. I don't have a problem with gambling. So if I've, I, I've, I don't have a problem with that, but I come across someone who does, and I give them good Christian advice, like, you shouldn't do that, brother. It's not, it's not the Lord. And I, I come from a judgmental point of view, and I say, hey, that's, that's wrong. And it, it is wrong, but just because I've conquered that area of my life doesn't mean I'm the one to judge others who might be struggling in it. Because what I'm doing is ignoring the other areas of the law or the rules or whatever you want to call it that I haven't, that I might still struggle with. I'm, I've got a huge list of struggles, but I keep them aside. It's kind of like the ones that we've got under control, they're the ones we put on show. They're our Sunday best. And the ones that we struggle with or the ones that um, are a challenge for us, we hide them away. And we don't want anyone to know about them because that, that's our, our private life. That's none of your business. How dare you judge me? Don't go there. But we bring out the ones that we've got under control because that's what this is addressing. It's saying, okay, you're trying to make a big deal about circumcision or, or this particular thing, but you're forgetting all the stuff because the reality is we've all got stuff, don't we? None of us have, have arrived there yet. Um, it's a religious spirit that does that. A religious spirit tries to highlight or tries to make a big deal about one aspect of the law, ignoring the rest of the law. And you can't live that way. Jesus encountered this in spirit when he is with the Pharisees many times. This was the biggest thing that he probably struggled with with the Pharisees' attitude was that they highlighted that they did this or they kept this part of the law, they did that, but then they forgot about mercy or they forgot about grace or they forgot about love. They were doing the rules, but they didn't have the heart behind it. And a great example of it is John 8, chapter 3. I want to read it to you this morning. As Jesus was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. I don't know why they didn't catch the man. Apparently, it takes two to, to do that. But um, he wasn't caught, just the woman. It says something about the culture of the day. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says that we must stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to her, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. See, they were there trying to punish her for breaking one law. They were trying to get her in trouble because she had broken a law or a commandment. Do not commit adultery. And yes, she had done that. 
but they were ignoring, they were uh, choosing to ignore, choosing not to acknowledge the parts of the law that they weren't living up to. And, but I, and Jesus said to them at the end, he goes, fair enough, she's broken the law, yeah. You guys go ahead and do what you're planning to do, but only if you've never broken any of the other laws. If you've never broken any of the other laws, then you're in a position to judge. Then you're in a position to point out some sin in someone else's life. So the reality is that Jesus was the only one who could have legitimately thrown a stone that day. Jesus was the only one without sin, the only one without an accusation against him, yet he chose not to condemn her. He chose to forgive her and tell her to sin no more. But what a religious spirit does is it picks up a stone and it says, hey, I might not be sinning in this area of my life, so I'm going to throw it at you and make you feel bad because of your sin, ignoring what, what I've got going on in the backyard or in my house. And the reality is that we need to know is that we are all been, we've all sinned, we've all fallen short, but we've all been set apart and called righteous in God. So he didn't accuse her, he told her to go and sin no more. The truth is not one of us can live up to all of the law, but why do we continue to judge those who are breaking different laws to us? You know what? You are all breaking the law. Do you feel like a rebel now? You are all criminals. Jack, get them. <laughs> Transport them away. They've broken the law. We are all breaking the law. And here's the thing. This is what Paul was trying to say. And no religious ceremony will help us to escape the consequences. See, the Jews believed that by, by circumcision they could escape the consequences of what they had done wrong. And Paul is saying, no, it's not about that at all. And Spurgeon says this. As Jews relied upon circumcision, so do many depend upon baptism and sacraments. So he was a Baptist. He believed in, in water baptism. It's from the Bible. But he was saying if you can even let things like as good as and great as a water baptism become your equivalent of the Jews' circumcision. And he says this, If we think that outward things will save us because they are scripturally sinful, we shall err as much as they do who multiply gorgeous services and pompous possessions. Possessions. It's a bit hard to say. Processions. There you go. Came out. I speak English good. <laughs> Not bad for someone born in India. It's true. I was born in India. Got a Canadian mum, Australian dad. So if you could tell me what nationality I am. <laughs> Next week with the Olympics are on, I've got three countries to go for. So it's good. Spurgeon says this, The outward, whether decorated or unadorned, whether fixed or free, touches not the saving point. The only thing which can save us is faith in Jesus Christ. Galatians 5, 6 in the message says this, For in Christ neither our most consentuous religion nor disregard of religion amounts to anything. What matters is something far more interior, faith expressed in love. Spurgeon again, faith always produces love. Hear that? Faith always produces love. Faith always produces love. In fact, love is, is dependent upon faith. No man loves a saviour in whom he reposes no confidence. There may be an admiration of the character of Christ, but the emotion which the scripture treats as love only comes into the heart when we trust in Jesus. It says we love him because he first loved us. We have a belief in his love and a sense of it. Then we begin to love Jesus. But love to Jesus cannot exist without faith in him. Faith that results in love. Faith that results in being expressed in love. 
verse 6 of the message, it says, what matters is something interior. It's about the battle within. What's going on inside of you? See, under the law, if you don't have a faith that expresses in love, you try and fake it. You try and hide behind religion and practices and things that you can do that are impressive, but you're hiding what's going on on the inside. But under grace, there is nothing to hide. There is no reason to hide, so you don't have to put on a religious show to impress others because you've got nothing to hide. Someone accuses you of doing the wrong thing, and you go, yeah, you should have seen me last week. It was heaps worse. (laughs) But God has saved me. God has forgiven me. God has called me righteous before him. You've got nothing to hide. It doesn't mean that you laugh off sin and think, oh, there's nothing wrong with it. You just don't let it accuse you. You just don't let it hold you in bondage anymore. The second half of this chapter says, it goes on to say, what our life will be like when what's inside is revealed. Galatians 5.13 says this, You have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. What I was just saying, don't just laugh off sin. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, I asked you before to get a new neighbor because they weren't very encouraging to you. So let's do that again. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. See, Paul is reinforcing his message here that our faith must express itself in love. Our faith must result in a love for one another. You had a great shirt on, Mel, this morning. It was prophetic. Love each other. Love one another. That's what the test of faith is. That's the proof that you have a faith, is that it results in a love for one another. Elsewhere, Paul wrote this, And if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I had amazing faith that could move mountains, but that faith didn't result in a love for others, then it's worth nothing. Zero. Zilch. Paul goes on to to give his thoughts on how we can live this life, how we can live free, how we can not go back to living under the law, but how we can love our neighbor as we love ourselves. We're going to read it verse 16 to 18. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. So Paul's saying, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. But be aware, there is a battle within. There is a battle going on. In the, can we have the next picture up, please? The battle within. Now, this is just a cartoon, but it it does illustrate what he's talking about. There is the sinful nature within you in the red corner. And in the white corner is the Holy Spirit, dressed as Homer Simpson. I hope you can handle that. (laughs) But he's acknowledging that there is a battle within us. There is a desire to live for God. There is a desire to live free. There is a desire to live as a son of the Most High God. But there is also a sinful nature within us that is fighting against that. It says that these two forces are opposed against each other. 
and they are constantly fighting against each other. They're constantly at work. The battle is within. The next few verses, Paul describes what your life will look like if you listen to the little red guy on, on Homer's shoulder. And I'm going to read it from the Message Bible because it illustrates it really well. This is what your life will look like if you let the sinful nature win the battle. If you let the sinful nature be the dominant force in your life, this is a description of what your life could look like. Pay attention because I want to, you may want to choose this, this route. Maybe, maybe not. Galatians 5.19. It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. Yet straight to the point. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Oh, it's getting a bit uncomfortable in here. I don't like the way the Message Bible puts this. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Trinket gods. Magic show religion. Paranoid loneliness. Cutthroat competition. All-consuming yet never satisfied wants. A brutal temper. An impotence to love or to be loved. Divided homes and divided lives. Small-minded and lopsided pursuits. The vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. Ugly parodies of community. I could go on. Please don't, Paul. I think we've been beaten up enough by now. And then he says, this isn't the first time I've warned you, you know. If you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. Now, that's a pretty heavy list, isn't it? It's a pretty clear description of what a life would look like if you chose to listen to the sinful nature within. It's, it's, a, it's a clear picture of going, a clear warning of saying, you know what? I don't want to pursue that life. I don't want to pursue a life like that. Please, Paul, tell me, is there another way? Yes, there's good news. The next verse, he gives you another way. He gives you another option. He says, you can choose to live to your sinful nature or you can choose to be led by the Holy Spirit and live a life of the Spirit. And he describes what that looks like in verse 22 and 23. What happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others. I like this one. An exuberance about life. Serenity. Anyone with young kids want to receive that word this morning? Serenity. <laughs> receive that word for your life. Spell it. <laughs> I don't have time to spell it. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness premates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments. Not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Listen to this. Legalism or religion is helpless in bringing this life about. It only gets in the way. It only gets in the way. See, Paul gives you two choices in this little letter. He shows you what life can look like when you follow your sinful nature. But then he shows you what life can look like when you follow the voice of God. When you follow the Holy Spirit living with inside of you, when you live unto Him and not unto yourself. And it's pretty clear when we read those two which one we choose. It's pretty clear which one we want to live our life. It's pretty clear which way we would choose to go. But how many know it's one thing to choose it when we read it here, but it's another thing to live it. It's another thing to live this out day by day. 
We know which one we want, but how do we experience it for ourselves? I want to live a life led by the Spirit. I don't want to live a life where I say yes to my sinful nature all the time, but how do I do it? As I was preparing this week, I said, God, I've, I've taken them this far in the message, but I've got to give them now the how. If I just take them here, it's like, what's, give me the how. How do we win this battle? Give me something good, God, to tell the church that at least comes close to competing to last week's message from Loz. It was awesome, but there's the sinful nature within me coming out, even in my message prep, that I'm thinking about impressing you rather than just obeying the voice of God. Because I'm not immune to it. There's a part in all of us that we want to please people, that we want to be seen to be. But even with your wife, you're not meant to compete with your wife, are you? No, you're not. But it comes out, yes, I know that's a new revelation, isn't it? <laughs> I, felt, I felt God say this to me. I said, how do we win this battle? Once I got over the fact that I'm not in a competition, I dealt with that. How do we win this battle, God? And I felt him say this, you don't. What? And, and let, me, let me try and explain what I think God was trying to say to me. There's a few points to it. Verse 17 says this. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. It sounds like my kids some days. Constantly fighting each other. See, I've got an eight-year-old who turned eight yesterday who wishes he was an oldest child, but he's not. <laughs> and so the battle is constant with his older sister to be like the oldest child but it's just never going to happen see Sonny's five he's content being the youngest he's enjoying the irresponsibility of being a youngest child the youngest children out there yes yeah I'm the eldest child and I married the youngest child so that's always a good mix right there see the battle is constant it says this as long as you are living there is a battle within. The battle doesn't go away. No one is without sin. No one is 100% of the time living by the Spirit and ignoring their sinful nature. So Paul recognized this. He recognized that the battle goes on. This side of eternity, the battle continues. Philippians 3, 12 Paul says this, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. So if you think... There is some magic formula that I could give you this morning so that this battle would go away. I'm sorry to disappoint you. I, I haven't got the magic answer other than to say that when we see him face to face in eternity, the battle will be won and it'll be over then. But while we are breathing, we have this constant battle going on, the battle within. The battle versus being led by the spirit and the sinful nature within. Let me write this down. Religion attempts to give you a magic formula. Religion attempts to give you a step A, step B, step C. Do this and you will no longer struggle with the battle within you. But it says that the, it goes on. Verse 23, legalism is helpless in bringing this about. In fact, it only gets in the way. 
So in our life on earth, the battle within is constant. So rather than to tell you how to, that you mean the magic formula, let me give you some things to help you in the battle, some things to help you in the fight. Because this one day, it's all over and we win. But right now, tomorrow, when church finishes, even right now, the battle is going on within. Here's the first tip for the battle. Feed the one you want to win. You know, I've been reading about the life of Julius Caesar. It's, I'm proud of myself. It's a five-part novel series. I'm into the fifth one. I've read ten novels this year, which is, that's not me. But I'm reading about Julius Caesar because it's quite a gory novel. It's, it's good for my um, manliness, if that's a way to say it. But it's talking about these, um, the territory and the lands that Julius Caesar conquered under the Roman Empire and the lands that he took. And he had a fierce army, a, an army that he could just go in no matter how outnumbered they were and they would win their way to victory. But the thing that I read about over and over again was the way that that army was restricted. In fact, the way that that army was brought to its knees was when there wasn't enough food and water for the soldiers and for their horses. See... They, they got onto him and they realized, look, the way we can beat this guy is if we starve him out. If we cut off his supply line. So the enemy, the, the, the army that was being fed, the army that was being watered, that was the army that would win the battle. It had nothing to do with how good of a fighter they were. If they weren't being fed, they weren't going to win. If you've got a teenage son, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't feed them, they don't move. Is that right, Brian? Yes. My question for you this morning is, what are you feeding? In the battle within, are you feeding the sinful nature or are you feeding the life of the Spirit? What are you filling your ears with? What are you looking at? What are you dwelling on? What are you thinking about? What are you feeding? The thing that you feed is the thing that will win. Are you feeding a life that can be used by the Holy Spirit or are you feeding your own sinful desires? Are you sin conscious or are you grace conscious? Are you aware of the grace of God? Are you thinking about what God has done in your life? Or are you dwelling on the form of things, the things that you've done wrong? What are you thinking about? The, see, your thoughts are your food for the battle. Your, what you read and meditate on, that's food for the battle. That's fuel for the fire. What are you feeding? If you're going to win this battle within, I think you've got to learn to feed it on good things. It says to, to think on good things, to look unto Jesus, to, to feed your spirit, to feed your heart, to feed your soul with things that will help you live a life that lines up with the spirit. question this morning is, what are you feeding? The other thing that helps me in the battle is this, and I've already alluded to it, is we know how it ends. We know how this battle ends, don't we, Christians, followers of Jesus Christ? We know how this ends. Galatians 5.24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and have crucified them there. They've been defeated. You can go through the battle. You can go through the struggle because you know how it ends. You know that in the end, the victory is yours as a, as a follower of Jesus Christ. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, my passions, my not my passions, my evil passions, my sinful desires have been nailed to the cross. I was listening to a Bill Johnson podcast this week and he said something that, that made me think. He said this. He said, we need to get it out of our head, the idea that there is even a fight between God and the devil. 
The devil isn't even in that fight because he has already been defeated. It'd be like me stepping into the ring with Danny Green. It's not even a fight. Does anyone know who Danny Green is? A good boxer. Yeah, it'd be like me trying to lift weights with Craig Humble. It wouldn't just be a competition. <laughs> I'd chew him up. That's right. Spit him out for breakfast. <laughs> it's not true. Please don't hurt me afterwards in the car park, Craig. <laughs> but he's saying that between God and between the devil, it's not even a contest. Because he has been defeated. Death was defeated. He was defeated. He has already lost him. But this is the thing. All that he has left is to try and bring as many others down with him. He's on a losing team. He's going down. He is down, but he's trying to drag you and I down with him. That's all that he's got left. And the only tool he has left is not anything, is, is lies and deception. Trying to get you to believe that you're on the losing team rather than on the winning team. The only thing he has left fighting for is to bring others down with him. It's like a team that's coming last and can't make the finals and has no hope of making the finals. All they can do is try and spoil the party of other teams. I do not need to mention any names. All they've got left to fight for is to bring others down with them. And that's how some people live their life. They, they live a defeated life and all they're trying to do is bring you down with them. That's what a religious spirit tries to do, bring you down with them. But Christ has not died for that reason. He's set us free. We are free indeed. He has lost and he's trying to take you down with him. Let me read. I read this in my um, devotion this morning from Keenan Bridges. It's a great 90-day devotion. And I read it. It says this. Let me be clear. I am not saying it is our responsibility to defeat the enemy. Jesus took care of that on the cross. However... We have been given spiritual weapons for the purpose of enforcing the devil's defeat and dismantling his influence in our lives. So yes, we still fight a battle, but the battle is within because it's dismantling the devil's forces, dismantling the lie, dismantling the false belief, dismantling the guilt and the shame, dismantling anything that holds you back from living the free life that God has called you to live. So the devil has been defeated. And he's trying to bring you down with him. And so your battle within is not seen. It's in, in the invisible world. It's in the spiritual world. And it's against someone who's trying to lie to you and bring you down into this life. This life that you've chosen and says you don't want to live that life. You want to live the spirit-led life. So if you've, you've received freedom, fight for your freedom. Stay in your freedom. God has won. And he has made a way for you to experience that victory. We sing songs in church that claim the victory that God has won for us. And that victory is called a relationship with Jesus Christ, where we are led each day by the voice of the Spirit. As a Christian, we have chosen this life. It's the life you have chosen. As a follower of God, you've chosen to be led by the Spirit. But every day, you've got to get up and choose and decide that I'm going to live this life. I'm going to live free. I'm not going to step in to religion. I'm not going to step in trying to impress anyone. I'm going to live a life led by the Spirit. Let me finish Galatians chapter 5, last two verses in the Message Bible. Since this is the kind of life we have chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. I love that. 
let's not just be a sermon in church. Let's not just be a part of our devotion reading in the morning. Let not it just be a verse we read in the Bible or a truth we get told about. But let's work out its implications in every detail of our lives. Let's work out the implications of this when we've got an argument going on. Let's work out the implications of this when someone cuts us off in traffic. Let's work out the implications of this when someone doesn't pay us the money they owe us in our business. Let's work out the implications of this when our husband hurts us or our wife hurts us. Or when our children disrespect us. Or when our parents aren't there for us. Let's work out the implications of this in everyday life. In the challenges, in the joys of life. Let's work out the implications of this. Led by the voice of the Spirit. You have been set free. The challenge is to stay free. Not let anything hold you back from that place. Let me read the rest of this verse. It means we will not compare ourselves with each other as if one were better than the other. We have far more interesting things to do with our lives. Each of us is an original. Each of us unique. No one else like you. You're looking around and you're going, thank goodness for that. Original. You know what I get out of that? that? Is we've each got to go away, listen to the voice of God, and let Him speak to our life how we can live that out, how we can be led by the voice of the Spirit. See, I can tell you what I do. Lods could come up and share what she does. Others could get up. But you've got to discover it for yourself. As an original, as a unique son or a daughter of God, how you can follow the voice of the God so that you can live in your freedom. He's come to set us free. My question for you as we close this morning, the life that you desire, the life of being led by the Spirit, is that the life you are living? We were presented in Galatians 5 with two ways of living our life. And I hope that most of us would choose to live our life led by the voice of God. But is that the life that you are living? If you are honest with yourself, is that what you are experiencing for yourself? Are you free in practice or is it just a free a, a, a title that you put over yourself? Yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I'm a follower of God. Are we free every day? Are we living that life? Maybe you're here and you're trying to obtain it through religion instead of grace. Maybe you're feeding the wrong thing in your life. You're wondering, why is the sinful nature having such a good run of wins lately? Maybe because you've been feeding it too much. Maybe today you could just go, you know what, I'm going to feed the voice of the Spirit in my life. I'm going to surround myself with things that build me up and encourage me, that remind me of the goodness of God. What, what is the change that you need to make? Maybe you're here this morning and you've never discovered who Jesus Christ is. He can give you the gift of eternal life, but also a purpose for living in this life so that you could be free and free indeed what I want us to do just close our eyes across this room if you're here this morning and you would like to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ that is to accept the freedom that he came to give you to give you the gift of eternal life to give you purpose for this life to be your friend to walk with you 
then I just want you to raise your hand in this room. You're choosing Jesus, saying, yeah, I want to live a life where I live for Jesus Christ. I want to accept him into my life, into my heart. If that's you, just raise it up so I can see it. Thank you, Jesus. It says that we can call upon the name of the Lord and we will be saved. If you're here this morning and you don't know what it is to live in relationship with Jesus, I encourage you to talk to someone afterwards. Come and see me, one of the team. We'd love to talk with you and pray with you about how you can have a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. You may not even be ready to make that decision, but you've just got some questions. Then come and see us. We'd love to talk. But while every eye is closed in this room and no one's moving around, that question, is the life that you desire the life that you are living? If it's not, but you'd like it to be, I want you to just to raise your hand because I want to pray with you this morning. The life that you desire. I can see your hand, mate. That's cool. Is there anyone else who wants to raise a life? You're saying, yeah, I want to live for God. Yeah, I want to live this life that you've talked about. But just my stuff keeps getting in the way. This morning, I just want to make room for you to be able to walk into that life that God has come to give you. I can see your hand. Thank you. Is there anyone else that just wants to raise their hand this morning to receive this freedom? Not trying to earn your salvation, not trying to just do the right thing, but just walking in and accepting what God has done for you. I'm going to pray for these few guys that have raised their hand. God, I thank you. We are free. Free indeed. Free of any obligation. Free of any law. Free to pursue you with all of our life. God, I pray not only for those two that raised their hand this morning, those two young men, but for others here this morning. God, help us to pursue the life led by the Spirit and not the life led by our sinful desires. Help us to live a life led by you and your voice, knowing that you love us, that you declare us righteous, you declare us whole. Help us to be free the way you intended us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're free. Don't let anyone rob it off you. Don't let anyone take it away from you. Don't try and earn it any other way than by accepting what God has done in your life. You are free. Thank you, church. Awesome. I love Galatians 5, yeah? I encourage you to go home and read it again and see what the Holy Spirit says to you personally. Good message, Lottie. Good message. Okay, so if you're new, remember, we'd love to connect with you. Our Connect Lounge is up there in the back there. And uh, please don't go without coming and saying hello. We would really love to meet you. Uh, We have coffee in the foyer. Don't just nip off. Stick around and have a chat. You can stand with me, church. We've got ministry down the front if you need prayer for anything. And there's actually been a word of knowledge. So if this is you, uh, you need healing in your right ear. Um, You've got a stiff neck. Um, Anyone with lower back pain or there's something wrong with your left shin or your knee. If that's you, 
uh, come down the front and we'll pray for you. Let me pray and then we're going to go out with a quick little song and we'll have a great week. God, thank you for your goodness and your grace and your mercy and your love. Thank you for all that you're teaching us through Galatians in this season. And Father, I just pray for your people. I pray that as they go, Lord God, your grace and your favour will be upon them, Lord God. I pray this week, Lord God, they have a dynamic relationship with you, Lord God. Pray that as they seek that secret place where it's just you and them, Lord God, they'd meet you and that you, Lord God, would flow into their lives and their hearts. I pray for your protection around them and their families in the name of Jesus. Amen. Have a great week. Real life. Nothing else matters. Nothing in this world will do. Jesus,
寂寞。